Hello from the Financial Times in London. I'm Adrian Klasa, and this is News in Focus, where we offer our insights into the stories that matter. Tens of thousands of Russians have taken to the streets this summer to express their disaffection with a government that has failed to deliver economic growth or improve living standards for much of the past five years. With me to discuss this new mood of rebellion and how Russian President Vladimir Putin has responded is Henry Foy, our Moscow bureau chief, and Russian sociologist Greg Yudin. First, Henry, tell us how long these protests have been going on and how many people are involved. Well, we've seen about a month of protests. They began as daily sit-ins and small protests of around 1,000 people. That then grew into a sanctioned protest of around 20,000. That was on July 20th. Then we saw arrests of some of the leaders and the first real pushback from the government. And then in the Saturdays that's followed, July 27th, August the 3rd, we've seen big protests of around between 10 to 20,000 people and over 1,000 people detained. And then last Saturday, which was a sanctioned protest, 60,000 people took to the streets. So there's cumulatively around 110,000, and we've seen around 3,000 people detained. And what is the issue that has really galvanized people and gotten them out into the streets? This really began around a very specific issue. A certain number of opposition activists and politicians collected some signatures that they said enabled them to join the ballot to run in an election next month in September for the Moscow City Council. This is quite a small, relatively unheard of body, a very minor election that if you'd ask anybody here in the city, they probably wouldn't have been able to tell you it was even going on. Those people were banned from taking part. The government said you didn't collect enough signatures and some of the signatures that you collected were invalid. That's despite people actually going on TV and saying, no, this is my signature. That has now really morphed into a much bigger issue around discontent and upset. Some of the protesters we've spoken to here at the various events have said, well, we began by saying, let them run. And now we're saying, let them out. And that's in response to friends and colleagues who've been detained, who are still being held in jail. And so the government's response to this, which was to be quite heavy-handed and to arrest people, has actually sparked a much bigger issue, which is that people on the streets don't believe that the government is representing them. You mentioned earlier that many leaders of these protests have been arrested. Who are these leaders? A little bit like what we're seeing in Hong Kong. I wouldn't say that there is one main leader of these protests, and that's partly why it's been so difficult to crack down on. Mr. Alexei Navalny, who's probably the most prominent opposition politician, he was involved early on in encouraging them and then was detained for that. And then a number of the people who were trying to run in the election sort of took on prominent roles, most prominent of which is a young lady, Lyubov Sobol, who's been on a hunger strike trying to bring more attention to this cause. And she's sort of become, if you like, one of the faces of this movement, people going out on the streets with signs bearing her name. And she was detained just before the protest on Saturday. You mentioned that the authorities' response so far, particularly the police response, has been quite heavy-handed. Does that look likely to moderate? Difficult to say, but I would suggest not. Like I said, last Saturday was a sanctioned protest. It was a legal protest. The government gave the movement a space to assemble. That three hours of assembly was conducted peacefully, albeit surrounded by riot police on all three sides with one entry and one exit. When that protest broke up at five o'clock and people started to disperse, riot police decided to follow small groups or even just individual people and arrest them, arguing that by leaving the protest, they were continuing it in an unsanctioned manner. So it does seem that the initial response a few weeks ago, which was to deploy riot police to be quite aggressive in making arrest, is continuing. Now, has Mr. Putin faced this level of opposition before? And if so, how did he respond then? 
So most people are comparing these to the protests of late 2011 into 2012 and spilling over into 2013. Those protests were specifically targeted around his return to the Kremlin after he did a job swap with the then Prime Minister turned President Dmitry Medvedev. Those protests were put down in a similar way with large, heavy-handed police and in the end really petered out. And of course, the subject of the public anger dissipated and Mr. Putin ended up in the Kremlin where he still remains. The question now is whether or not the response in this case will lead to the same outcome and, and protests will dissipate or whether actually instead it will create a bigger and bigger and bigger movement. And it remains to be seen how Mr. Putin would deal with that. Greg, this is a good time to bring you into the conversation. Can you talk to me a bit about what's different about this year's protests? Well, there's a number of points, actually, that make a huge difference. First of all, these time the protests are happening before elections and not after. Because in 2011, the people took out of the streets after the alleged fraud on the elections. So now we're having this before the elections, and the issue is that the candidates are just not put on the ballot, which actually puts the protesters in a different position. Now they have something to threat with. And the second thing is that last time it was the national election. Now we have the situation in Moscow, and so the, the public reaction is different. So last time, it's creating a huge conflict between Moscow and Russia. Now that doesn't work, basically, and we see that the public attitude to these uh, protests is rather positive. We already have uh, some opinion polls that give enough evidence that people have at least some sympathy to the candidates and protesters. And of course, we have a different level of organization and mobilization now, and many young people and young opinion leaders are now involved in those protests. So those are important points to make the difference. Why are so many young people involved this time around? And is that a particular area of concern for the Kremlin? Well, I would say that actually the political style that Kremlin has been using and abusing for many years is now losing its base. Because basically the Kremlin has been targeting the elderly population, those who are financially dependent on local administration or national administration. And this is the political style that simply doesn't land with the young people. And every time they feel the flavor of grassroots mobilization, of civic participation, they have enough willingness to engage. So this is also something which started to emerge several years ago. Do you think Mr. Putin and his administration are a bit out of touch? Have they failed to grasp changes taking place in Russian society? Yeah, I think so. I think so because, once again, basically the administration has been dealing with the people it can easily control, it can easily manipulate, with those who are dependent on, on pensions or other kinds of financial transfers from the central authorities. Now, the most important thing is the rise of multiple local solidarities and also resentment for, for centralized government and for this authoritarian style of government. So there is a, a large request for self-government here and there in Russia. And we already have several examples this year only. For example, in Yekaterinburg, we had a large protest against the demolition of uh, public square. We have now this large protest in the Russian north against garbage being relocated from Moscow to the northern areas. So those are uh, cases where we see that the regime is actually losing ground. 
You mentioned earlier that this supposed division between Moscow and the rest of the country has been used previously by the administration, for instance, during the 2012 protests, to discredit the movement as not being national in character. Do you think the fact that now we're seeing protests spread outside of Moscow, outside of the capital, is significant? It is significant. I wouldn't say that we actually witnessed that dissemination of the protest that is going on in Moscow right now. We're rather uh, witnessing a bunch of different and so far pre-isolated cases. Uh, they have a different agenda, but the question is whether they will unite at some point. And the fact that they keep emerging here and there means that probably there is a search for an agenda that could unify them. Finally, I'd like to hear both from Greg and from Henry. What do you think is going to happen next? Greg, can I get your thoughts first? Well, honestly, what is going on in Moscow right now, the fact that Kremlin has reacted that harshly to just a minor election in one of the cities, of course it's the capital, but still, means that we're currently nearing something like a dictatorship here in Moscow. Because what is going on here in the capital uh, these days is basically the emergency state, particularly on the days of the, of the protests. Right? You cannot walk in the city center, you always risk being beaten up, and then no law will, will help you. There is a lot of resentment about policemen beating up women and disabled people. So this is looking like an emergency state. And it's important to what extent this kind of emergency measures are going to work for the police and whether this will infuriate the people further. So far, it is not actually working very good because the protests are spreading in Moscow and more and more people get involved, more and more people uh, get sympathy for people being beaten up. So what is likely to come next in September is certainly the protest vote. And once again, there's a major difference between current situation and situation in 2011, because now the opposition has the option of basically spoiling the, the monopoly of the ruling party. And that will probably trigger more events. Thanks very much, Greg. Henry, final thoughts? What do you think is going to happen next? I'd say there's two points. Something that I was really struck by in the protest on Saturday was the emergence of so many different disparate groups, which is something that Greg has remarked upon. And it remains to be seen how united they will be going forward and how committed to this fixed cause about getting people on the ballot for September elections. There was flags for LGBT groups, which are very rare to see in Russia, and socialist groups and some communist groups. So it remains to be seen how united they will be. Also, lots and lots of young people who were there told me that they thought coming to the protest had become something that was quite cool, something you want to take a picture of or a selfie and put it on Instagram. It's sort of moving into that space where young people want to be there because their friends are there. Now, how committed they will be in the future, of course, is something to think about. I mean, do you want larger numbers or do you want a smaller group that are much more committed to the cause? In terms of the politics, this is only going to strengthen the hand of the Siloviki, the so-called group of security forces, security services, hardline anti-globalists in the Kremlin, one of the factions that sort of surround Mr. Putin. We've seen them coming to prominence slowly but surely over the last four to five years, certainly because of Western sanctions. Events like this only strengthen their hand. The mayor of Moscow, Sergei Sobyanin, was seen as a potential player in any succession battle after Mr. Putin. He's not seen as a hardliner, certainly not as much as the Siloviki in the Kremlin would like. So his inability, if you like, to control these protests initially, and certainly the way it looks from the outside that they've had to bring in federal-controlled Ministry of Defense riot police to overrule Mr. Sobyanin's local police is a sign that the hand of the Siloviki, the hand of the security services, is strengthening inside the Kremlin. Well, that's all we have time for now. Thanks to Henry and Greg, and thanks to you all for listening.
And don't forget, if you missed previous episodes on the advance of intelligent robots, India's crackdown in Kashmir, or the bleak outlook for jobs in investment banking, you can find them on all the usual podcast platforms. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.